Welcome. My name is Jesse and you are listening to The Wake Up Call. This show is about opening your eyes to how you've been living, bringing awareness to the standard you've been operating at, and helping you start living to your full potential. There are two ways I'll help you do this. One, by disciplining your mind, and two, by strengthening your body. It's time to take stock of your current performance and go to the next level. Let's do this. Welcome back for another episode of The Wake Up Call. Today's episode is brought to you, the listeners. And I'm going to do a little bit of a Q&A today. So I put a post up on my Instagram and on my Facebook page asking people if they had any questions, any burning questions that they would like answers to. And I got some really nice uh, questions come through and I'm gonna do my best to tackle those for you guys today. So I'll do this uh, kind of concept. It's something I've been thinking about doing for a little while now. And uh, I'll probably continue doing it. I really enjoy answering, you know, direct questions and specific topics that you guys have. So if you have questions down the track, please feel free to send them through to me, whether it be via email, whether it be direct message on Instagram or Facebook. And like I said, it is something I do want to continue doing. So if you have any questions, write them down. And when it comes time for uh, the next Q&A, you can send them through and I'll do my very best to answer them. So the first question we have today is from Bo. Bo asks, is BJJ, so that's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, is BJJ the best form of cardio of all time? If no, then why? And uh, this is an interesting one because Bo's a really good friend of mine. We've known each other for almost uh, probably eight to 10 years now. Uh, Bo does Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It is a form of martial arts. It is something that I have actually never done before. It has intrigued me for a number of years. Uh, a few of my mentors and people who I look up to, they do BJJ. And from my understanding of it, it is really close quarters, hand-to-hand type of combat. Okay, so it's a lot of grappling. I almost want to say wrestling, but it's a lot more about, especially in the training side of things, it's about submissions and getting into a stronger position than your opponent. So. If you've ever watched any UFC, uh, you'll be familiar with you know the types of takedowns that they do and the positions that they try and get into, guard, side control, and these types of things. Uh, like I said, I don't personally do it. I do want to do it at some point in my life. Uh, at the moment, it's not something on the cards for me. But to answer your question, Bo, is it the best form of cardio of all time? Well, <laughs> as I get older, as I become more experienced as a coach, I try not to deal in absolutes where I can. So for a lot of questions, the answer is going to be, it depends. Cardio really come down, comes down to a couple things. What is your current body type? So are you small, are you tall, are you small framed, larger framed? What kind of uh, training history, uh, history have you had? Do you enjoy doing running? Do you enjoy cycling? Do you enjoy swimming? Do you enjoy doing, you know, more of like a sport type environment? Do you enjoy doing, you know, obstacle course races or events? Or maybe it is martial arts. But this is one of these ones, I can't say it's the best form of cardio of all time. But like I said, this is from my experience. This is secondhand news, so to speak, from hearing and uh, listening to other people's Um, experience doing Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, it is very, very difficult. It is highly demanding. So you are basically, it's it's 1v1, it's basically you versus your direct opponent. 
And for anybody who's done martial arts or combat type sports or wrestling, whether you have a sibling, older, younger brother, sister, or maybe you just got into some scraps in the, in the schoolyard, whatever it might be, you know how difficult and how taxing that type of activity is. So if you imagine it's you versus an opponent, you're, you're squaring off, you're facing off, you're a couple feet or you know a meter apart, someone blows a whistle or says, go, fight, you've got five minutes, off you go, you'll understand how difficult that is. So from a cardio standpoint, it's extremely difficult. But it also comes down to your level of skill. So whether you are a white belt, whether you are a purple belt, blue belt, black belt, um, and also the opponent that you're sort of facing as well. It's my understanding that people who are new to the sport of BJJ can either kind of fall into one or two camps. They fall into one where they have a white belt mentality, which is where they are there just to learn. They want to understand the skills, the different techniques, positions, and how to get the most out of each training session, shall we say. Then there are some people who just want to go in there and rip your head off. These are people who just literally want to fight. And that's not what martial arts is about. Martial arts is primarily about self-defense. It's knowing how to actually control your body, maneuver yourself in such a way that if you ever got in the case or a situation where it was, you know, you had to defend yourself, you could do so. And that's where some people do BJJ as a sport. It's an actual sport where they go and compete. They do competitions. They look to ascend, you know, in terms of gradings and belt selections or, you know, the, the level that you're at. And some people just like to do it for fitness. So it's it's a pretty loaded question um, that Bo's thrown at me there, and he's done it in a bit of jest as well. Uh, is it the best form of cardio of all time? Here's the deal. Anything can be the best form of cardio for you, depending on your application of that cardio stimulus. This is why some people absolutely love running. It is their one thing that they just love to do and they think it's the be all end all. Some people fucking hate running. I know people who absolutely loathe running. If I said go and do a five minute run, they would just absolutely pack it in, sulk, moan, complain about it. So it's it's very much, uh, it's your opinion. I think it can be a fantastic form of cardio if you have the right mindset of going in there with that white belt mentality this is something new to me. Like for me personally, if I was to go and do a, a Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu class, I would go in there, blank canvas. I'll go in there and I'll see the sensei or the you know the the instructor or the coach, the teacher, and I would say, hey, I'm Jesse. I've never done this before. Where do I start? You teach me. I don't know anything. You teach me what's level one, and I just start there, and then you gradually build upon that. And as you build proficiency with these different techniques body positions, knowing how to, you know, escape certain positions, whether it's armbar, side control, you know, somebody's mounting you, whatever it might be, you get better at it. And as you get better at it, you can apply more effort to it. So therefore, you will get a better cardiovascular response from it. So you work harder, but you will also be more efficient at doing these things. So this is when, whenever you start a new task, skill, sport, more than likely, you're going to suck at it. As you do it more frequently and you practice the skills and you practice the positions, you refine them, they become more precise. And that's how you start enjoying things is by repeating the skill over and over again, 
having a better understanding of it, and then you can apply more effort to it, and then you get better results because of it. So Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, from my understanding, very, very challenging sport, very challenging uh, endeavor in terms of fitness and cardiovascular preparation. Is it the best of all time? It depends. <laughs> so I hope that answers your question, Bo. Bit of a diplomatic answer there. <laughs> uh, moving on, Amin asks the question, what are your personal metrics for being in shape? And he also goes on to ask me, how do you decide them? So what are my personal metrics for being in shape and how do you decide them? So for me personally, there's only a few things with regards to my body and my strength and fitness that I kind of look at. One of the prime things for me is my sport. I play football, currently I'm injured. So my personal metrics right now at this present time is based upon what my physio has given me for rehab. So I have a series of exercises. I'm kind of on my third program. I just saw him yesterday, so I'm on my third program. And it's all about progression. For me, I kind of, I'm veering away a little bit currently with uh, hitting certain numbers when it comes to exercises. So whether it be you know bench pressing body weight or squatting one and a half times body weight, they have been my goals in the past and I have hit those. I have completed uh, my PB for squat bench deadlift. Uh, squatting, my one rep max is 145 kilograms. Deadlift, 172 and a half kilograms. And bench press, 102 and a half kilograms. So they have been some metrics in the past which have been priorities for me. Currently they're not. But in terms of what are my metrics for being in shape? I look at daily habits and routines which I know for a fact help me feel good. So I have a habit tracker installed on my phone where I'm looking for daily habits to be ticked off. First on the list is sleeping for seven hours. I know that if I do not get seven plus hours of sleep every night, I'm not going to function well. I'll have a lot of brain fog and I'm kind of I'm grumpy and I'm not really a pleasant person to be around. So that's that's a big one for me. I know if I get a good amount of sleep, whatever it is that I'm going to do that day, I'm gonna perform pretty well at. Drinking three liters of water. It's a standard for me every single day, three liters or more. I've incorporated a new habit into my routine, which is a balance beam practice. So I have a balance beam in my office and I do 10 minutes. I put my wild toes on to help improve my foot function and I'll do 10 minutes on the beam. Currently, my rehab is Monday, Wednesday, Friday. So I'm gonna talk specifically about that because that's what my current training kind of looks like. Training is rehab and rehab is training for me at the moment. My goal when I walk in to my facility to do training is to do, to beat what I did last time. It's really as simple as that. I know that currently I'm not able to run. Well, I haven't run for quite a long time. So this is one of my metrics. I want to be able to run pain-free. But in order for me to run pain-free, I've had to kind of break my body down to then rebuild it back up, stripping away a lot of things which I would love to do, but it's probably not the best fit for my body right now. So Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I follow my rehab program and I am always looking for a progression, whether it be more reps, extra weight, holding the position, whether it's an isometric hold for extra time or some form of overload, shall we say. That's about as simple as it is for me at the moment. But how do I decide what are my metrics? So let's say, for example, I'm not, 
I don't have an injury. I am completely healthy, fit, and strong, and I can do everything I want. I look at my week and my priorities, and then I kind of step back and analyze what I want to do across the training week or what I want to do across the week. I look at you know what I've got happening in my family, my business, and then my health and fitness. I like training Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That works very, very well across the board. When I train, I feel better, I look better, and I'm a better person to be around. Training for me is a really great outlet mentally to get rid of stress, any anxiety, or any pent-up aggression that I might have. So for me, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, they're my non-negotiables. Uh, personal metrics. I do check my weight. For me, weight isn't a huge kind of marker, but it is something I do check on. I don't check it weekly. I check it kind of when I feel like I need to or when I'm unsure of where I'm at. But for me, my weight range, where I kind of like hanging around is 83 to 85 kilograms. So I know that if I'm on you know, the lower side of 83, I have to actually increase the amount of food that I eat or find some more calorie dense foods to bump my weight up. I don't wanna be less than 83 kilograms because I know in the past, I kind of look a little bit sickly, a little bit too lean and drawn in the face. It's just not a good look uh, for me. And I kind of have a good base of where my body's at. Just, I look at the mirror every day. I'm not there standing at myself, you know, saying, damn, you look good, even though I might. Um, but I'm just looking at my body and seeing what areas do I need to work on? You know, it's not like I'm not nitpicking or anything like that, but I've developed an awareness that, hey, maybe there's, you know, maybe there's a couple of sweets that you've been having, or maybe it's a dessert that just sneaks in and gives me a little bit of that extra bulge around the midsection. Maybe that has to come out for a bit, or maybe I actually have to work a bit harder in training. So currently I don't have any specific metrics apart from ticking off my rehab and making sure I progress. Once injuries are not a factor, my goal is just strength. I wanna be strong, I wanna look and feel strong. So the way that I do that is through my training programming. I program according to you know where I'm at in season, where my physical conditioning is across the board, so upper body, lower body. I remember when I was preparing myself for the SFG level one certification for my kettlebells, my training load was quite high but there were certain exercises that I had to do because I knew that they were requirements on the day. I had six exercises with specific standards that had to be met. And if I didn't meet those standards, I would have failed my certification. So that's what my training was for. But in season is to look and feel strong, mainly to feel strong. I know when I'm strong and I know when I'm weak. And that's basically how I decide you know, my personal metrics um, is based upon how I feel, how I perform on the football field, and also how I recover. I know that we have games on Saturday, therefore I can't do a really heavy lower body workout or training session the day before. It's gonna be a little bit more upper body focused. So I hope that kind of answers your question. I mean, uh, personal metrics, a lot of it is just habits, daily habits and routines, and I've just created something for uh, from a career standpoint as well that I want to tick off certain items on a day-to-day -day basis. So that has been very successful for me and I'll probably continue using that moving forward. Uh, next question we have is from Sean. 
Sean wants to know, what do you wish you knew when you started your career as a strength coach? Well, when I first started, I wanted to know everything. I wanted to, and I still do, I still have this mindset of learning and improving what I do. This is a tough question because there's two ways I kind of look at it. I look at it from, you know, being a coach, actually working one-to-one and, you know, with a, a number of people across the week. And I also try and look at it now from a business perspective. I run a business and I know where I kind of want to go. I have a general goal and vision, uh, which is his next question, of where I want to go and progress. So it's kind of trying to marry up those two goals because they're not actually the same. If you've if you haven't run a business before, I can tell you straight away. I can tell you right now. It's actually one of the hardest thing you, you one of the hardest things you'll ever do. My mind never stops thinking about work. So my business is my work. It's my career. I take it very seriously. It's a it's a professional endeavor for me. It's not a side gig. Uh, it's something that I actually really want to try and deliver the best experience and results for the clients that I work with. But what do I wish I knew when I started as a strength coach? You don't need as many exercises as you think you do. And this is something that I still preach and it's something I'm, the more that I do coaching and the more that I work with people, I realize you need far less variety than you think you do. And this is why I've really cre- I've created some frameworks with how I program and how I instruct my sessions now. Push, pull, hinge, squat. You don't need 100 different exercises. You don't even need 20 different exercises or 10 per session. You need literally five. You know, that is a great, that is a quality training session. I've had clients where we've done two, se- two, two, uh, two movements in a session and that has been absolutely phenomenal. It's been a fantastic training session. They've worked hard, they've learned the movement, they're understanding the skill, and they're practicing it over and over again. And this is something you need to understand. Strength is a skill. Strength is a skill. You actually have to practice it. You can't just go in there and run yourself into the ground. And that's probably something that I wish I knew earlier as well, is what's called auto-regulating. You can't go into the gym every time and hit a personal best. As much as you might be motivated, and when I first started as a coach, I loved the gym. I wanted to be in there every second of every day. But the more you do something, the less infatuated with it you can become because you're doing it over and over again. So this is what I call kind of the honeymoon period. This is when people start a training program or a diet. It's really exciting up front. And then as you do it, that sort of uh, excitement fizzles away, it dulls down a little bit. It's not to say that I don't love what I do. I absolutely, I I love my work. I love the career that I'm in. But it's not about variety. It's actually about progression. And this is where I actually, I, I wish I held people more accountable when I was doing their programming. So hindsight's fantastic. I look back at the programs that I did when I first started, they were terrible, awful. But back then, that's the best I had. That was the level of knowledge I had. So I actually, it's not that I did a bad job back then. That was the best I did. I always tried to give my best for the people who, that you know, came in for appraisals and programs and personal training and things like that. But a lot of people, they wanna be entertained. They want 
exciting. And for me, getting results is exciting. Making progress and seeing somebody get strong and become fitter and see how quickly they can recover and how that impacts the rest of their life, that's way more exciting for me than giving somebody 20 different exercises and then next week they come back and say, hey, can you show me these five different exercises? I've completely forgotten what they are. So that's probably the biggest thing is less variation in exercise selection. The next question is, what was your vision when you started? And is it still the same today? I got a couple of friends who did personal training courses when we were when we were younger, did it when I was 16 and 17, and always had this kind of grand master plan to have this big training facility. And now that I'm aware of what happens in the behind the scenes type of thing when it comes to running a business and the overheads associated with it and the headaches and the fires that you have to put out as a business owner, it has changed. I used to want this really big facility with all the bells and whistles. But again, now that I've been doing this for 12, 13 years and I understand business more, I understand programming and progression and I actually understand people a lot better in terms of what people go through on a day-to-day basis. People have other shit going on in their life, not just training. And this is where you don't need a big facility. You don't need all of the different gear. And I actually have a decent amount of kit. I've got squat racks, barbells, dumbbells, sandbags, kettlebells, bands, attachments. You know, I've got a lot of different gear. I've got airmill bike, I've got a rower, I've got sleds, I've got ropes. But it's one of these ones, again, you don't need as much variety as you think you do. So one of the quotes that I've kind of been using a lot with my clients is chop wood. So you don't need a lot of different um, gear to get results. You need a handful of items and you need to be very consistent at utilizing them. So there's no point jumping from kettlebell to dumbbell to barbell to sandbag and then doing it all over again because you're gonna get a variety of different results. So my vision is to keep a a small facility have a select core group of clients who have big goals, meaningful goals that they actually want to achieve and have them come in consistently. That's what's important to me and that's where I feel most people let themselves down. They think they need, you know, a highly complicated program with all the bells and whistles, different training gear, when in reality, If you just pick a few exercises and do them over and over and over again, get really good at them, become very strong at them, you're going to get much better results. And this is where, you know, I've written on my profile on, you know, Instagram is like, I'm not for everybody. I work with people who are serious about playing the long game with their results. If you're on a four week challenge, not interested. I can't help you. Four week challenge isn't gonna change your life. It's not. So this is where, again, what is your ultimate goal? Do you wanna be entertained or do you want results? I work with people who want results. So I hope that kind of answers your question there, Sean. Um, You don't need as much gear as you think you do. You don't need as much variety as you think you do. 
and you don't need all the bells and whistles. You can actually get great results with only a handful or even one piece of equipment. I often have a conversation with one of my ladies and, you know, especially with COVID having been so rampant last year is, you know, it's, we ask the questions like, if you had only one piece of equipment to use, what would it be? And she says, kettlebell, because it's so versatile. You can do everything with it. You can do Turkish get-ups, you can do presses, you can do swings, you can do cleans, you can do snatches, you can do squats. You can do rows, you can do carries. So that's that's basically uh, what I would sort of encourage people to focus on is don't look at do, to do the most amount of stuff or have the most amount of stuff or equipment, but actually get the most out of what you've already got. And the last question we have is from Richard. Richard asks, from a nutrition point of view, does eating the same foods day in and day out provide adequate nutrients for your body, or should you be mixing it up rather than eating the same food for lunch each day, uh, for example? It's a great question. Do you need variety? Do you need to spice things up, chop and change what you do? Nutrition is a, it's, it's a tough topic because a lot of people overcomplicate it. My philosophy when it comes to nutrition is very simple. First and foremost, we have to account for total calorie intake. So if your goal is to lose weight, you need to ensure you are creating a calorie deficit. That is the primary objective. Are you creating a calorie deficit? Yes or no? If you wanna lose weight, you must create a calorie deficit. If you want to maintain your weight, you need a neutral energy balance. So that means you're maintaining. It's an equal or very close to equal amount of calories coming in as is going out per day. And then if you are trying to put on some mass or build muscle, you need to be in a calorie surplus. You need more calories each day than your body requires. That is how we build muscle and add or gain weight. So that's the first thing we look at is from a hierarchical standpoint is calorie intake. What are we consuming? Then we start looking at things like macronutrients. So this is our three big nutrient groups. We have proteins, carbohydrates, and fats. This is a very simple equation. Identify your body weight in kilograms, times that by 1.5 to 2.0, and that will give you a number or a range. This is your daily protein target. So let's say, for calculation's sake, very easy. Let's say you weigh 100 kilograms. You would need to consume 150 to 200 grams of protein each and every day. That would be the next priority in my eyes. Whether your goal is to lose body fat or build muscle, protein needs to be high on the list. You wanna preserve as much muscle mass as possible. The more muscle mass you have, the higher your metabolic rate. So if you are in a calorie deficit, keep your protein high. This is paramount to preserving muscle mass. And this, this, this next part here, there are ways to calculate your calorie requirements. I'm not gonna go through that today, but I will answer this question. There's a few things that I need to preface before I sort of attack this question at the heart, is calorie intake, protein intake per day, and then the remaining balance of calories can be divvied up as you see fit between carbohydrates and fats. 
so let's say, for example, you like carbs, you like breads, pastas, rices, starchy um, vegetables, things like that. You would be more carbohydrate dominant with the remaining calories. If you like things like oils, seeds, nuts, avocados, coconut type, coconuts or coconut oil, things of that nature, then your calories would mainly come from fats and they would then the remainder would be made up of carbs. Does that make sense? So prioritize protein. You organize how many grams of protein you need. That's already been set. Then on the other side, we have fats and carbs. You divvy up the remaining calories, which will either give you calorie surplus, neutral, or maintenance, or deficit, and you can organize those calories between yourself, fats, or carbs, or just divvy it up as you see fit. But to answer this question, do you need to change it up? This is where we look at the two different definitions of foods, so to speak. Nutrient density and calorie density. Nutrient density is food that is, it is not highly processed. It has minimal processing. So things like fruit, meats, nuts as very quick examples these have not been processed these are in their natural form typically these types of foods are very nutrient dense they have a lot of vitamins and minerals the more processed a food is typically speaking the fewer nutrients they contain i hope that makes sense the more processed something is not always but typically the more processed something is the less nutrients, the fewer nutrients it contains. So if you can get something in its natural state where it hasn't been gone through this processing, packaging, more processing, more packaging, it's going to have more nutrients for you. So this is why I like a simple kind of framework. Fruits, vegetables, variety of meats, some dairy if you like dairy, as long as it meets your calorie needs, uh, calorie, yeah, calorie target. But it also comes down to you as an individual, as a person, as a human. Do you like cooking? Do you like preparing food? I know for me personally, I hate preparing food. I dislike it. So for me, I prepare the same meals. My wife does do a great deal of, she does the most of the, the cooking, which I am very, very grateful for. But I eat the same foods over and over again. I have a select handful of foods that I eat over and over again. And I just rotate through them because I don't like preparing food. I'm not a big cook. I don't like cooking. It's not, for me, it's not fun. Some people really love cooking. I do not. So to answer your question, Richard, should you be mixing it up rather than eating the same food? It needs to meet your calorie goals. It needs to be suitable for you as a human. If you have the ability to cook different foods every day and you enjoy cooking, absolutely go for it. But is it necessary? Is it a requirement? Is it a must no this is where a lot of people they major in the minors they start looking at small details without hitting the big details first the big details are these calorie intake protein intake the remaining calories divvied up between protein uh, between fats and carbohydrates and then it comes down to personal preference and what you can stick to so if you know you have a hard time 
sticking to the same foods. Sure, add a bit of variety, that's no problem. But if you know from an adherence standpoint, from hitting your goals, if you know, if you eat the same foods over and over again, you hit your target, I would encourage you to do that. Until such a point that you have enough understanding of nutrition that you can add variety. But a lot of people do the reverse. They add a lot of variety and then they get a variety of different results and they're not sure what to change to get the results they're looking for. Rather than saying, hey, I eat these five meals or I eat these four different meals and I know they work for me. And then you can start tweaking and making these subtle changes. So do you have to mix it up? No. Can you? Yes. But the main thing that I'm always looking at is, are you creating a calorie deficit for weight loss? Yes or no? If you're not, that's priority number one. If you're in your calorie deficit or surplus, depending on your goals, then the next question is, are you hitting your protein target daily or across the week? Yes or no? If the answer is no, I wouldn't change too much before getting that number up to where it needs to be, 1.5 to 2 grams per kilo of body weight. After that, you have a bit of wiggle room, a bit of freedom. Put some carbs in there, put some fats in there. That's completely up to you. That's where you can start to personalize and put your own little touches on it. But those are your priorities, calories, protein, remaining calories through carbs and fats. So I hope that makes sense to you, Richard. I hope it answers your question. But don't get too bogged down with the minor, the small details. Oh, maybe this food is a bit boring and you've eaten it over and over again. Cool, good. If it's getting the results you want, keep doing it. But if, you, if you've if you had you know, omelette for the last 21 days in a row and you want something different, change it up. But you can always come back to what you know works. But I would highly encourage you, find out what works for you and then create a bit of a list. What are some foods you enjoy? What are these foods that if you were to eat them across the day and week, help you hit your goals. And I'm not talking about a specific diet here, I'm talking about creating food principles that work for you. If you know that having no alcohol Monday to Friday works for you, do that. If you know that you should be having a cup of water before every meal to increase satiation, so that's basically your feeling of fullness, do that. If you know that you struggle to eat protein and meet your targets, identify what are the highest sources of protein that you do enjoy and how much of that do you need to consume each day to get within your target range. So that is how you create nutritional structure to either lose fat and or build muscle. So there we go, guys. That's a bit of a Q&A. I hope I have given you some insight into you know, how I think with my own training, programming, how I sort of live, and I've, I hope that I have answered these questions as well. You know, I've talked about Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu, you know, metrics for being in shape, uh, you know, a bit of a personal sort of touch on you know, a career of a strength coach and personal trainer, and a bit of nutrition as well. So it's kind of gone across the board, which is great. Like I said, I enjoy answering specific questions and this is where i have mentioned it before but i will mention it again 
Vague goals create vague actions, which create vague results. The more precise you can be with your questions, with your answers, with your routines, the more precise your results will be, and you'll know what to adjust, up or down, left or right. Guys, I really appreciate you listening. What I have noticed is there's a bit of a disparity with the people who are listening versus who are following me on the social medias as well. So if you are a listener and you aren't following me on social media, whether it's Instagram or Facebook, I would encourage you and I ask you to do so. If you're on Instagram, it is at FullerSC, F-U-L-L-A-S-C. If it's on Facebook, just type in Fuller Strength and Conditioning, F-U-L-L-A Strength and Conditioning to stay in touch and continue to read my posts. The posts that I put out on social media are long form. They are not these little, you know, quotes. They are actually to help you work through the psychological process of change. Changing your body, changing your mindset, changing your life, it takes time and it starts in between your ears, the psychological side of things. So what I write isn't for everybody. People don't want to hear the truth. That's okay. You, as a listener of the Wake Up Call, I know you want different and I know you want better. Otherwise, you wouldn't be listening right now. But I encourage you, if you see one of my posts, you've got two options. Everybody has choices. You can scroll by if you choose to. But if you get value from the podcast, I know you will get benefit from reading these posts. And if you do read them, and if you do get value, all I ask is you pay the fee by hitting the like button or tagging a friend who needs to hear or read that message. Thanks for listening, guys. I will continue doing these Q&As in a uh, somewhat frequent format. I do enjoy it. Uh, But for now, that's all I have for you. If you have any questions, feedback, please let me know. I'm always looking to upskill and improve what it is that I do and deliver you guys the best information through the wake-up call. That's it for now, guys. I will speak to you next time. Cheers. If you loved the wake-up call, found it entertaining, or got some benefit out of listening, I would appreciate you helping me to spread the word. Please share it with a friend or on social media so that you can pay it forward and give someone else the opportunity to improve themselves like you just have. Thanks for listening. We'll see you soon for another episode.